us in worship. Oh, I felt like I felt like crowd two had a little bit more energy. I think crowd one was still on the holiday hangover. So uh, uh, today, I, I'm, oh, we're going to have a sermon today. Okay, just so I'll let you know, um, I got excited about this one. I get excited about them all, but sometimes it's like a little different, just hits a little different. Um, so today, um, we're going to get super technical about some things, but I think it's going to be inspiring for you. Um, but if you don't enjoy this sermon, just know I did. Um, so... Uh, it's kind of personal today, and so I hope that you'll understand when it's all said and done. This whole series has been about Abraham so far, and we'll get to Jesus and God giving us his son uh, during the Christmas holiday season, which we're so excited about. Um, But today, we're going to be looking at uh, part of Abraham's story and a recap, and and hopefully this will be be challenging, but it'll be encouraging to your faith. Um, Whenever we sing that song about God's goodness coming after us. And I hope that, man, I hope that that hits you today. I hope, I hope that you, like, you don't really know the goodness of God until you've been through those dark nights. Can I get an amen? You know, like you thought you, you thought you knew God. You thought God was good. But whenever you've done the dumbest thing of your life and made the greatest mistakes and you need a God that's full of grace, that's when you know, that's when you'll learn the character of God. When you feel pain, and suffering as a result of loss, that's when the goodness of God just, it, it just blows your mind. And uh, today as we get started, I want to give you a, just a little appetizer. Um, several years ago, one of our buddies um, was, was going through McDonald's, all right? And uh, he was a big fan of McDonald's. He'd always get like chicken nuggets, whatever combo that is. Um, someone here probably knows the number. Um, anybody? They won't admit it. Okay. <laughs> Like, number seven, Tim. <laughs> and so uh, he'd always get three uh, sweet and sours, um, which I'm a barbecue man myself. Um, but anyway, he'd get, he'd get three sweet and sour sauces. And that day he was a little haphazard in his ordering and he forgot to order the sauces. And you know, like no one's giving you anything anymore, right? Like I ordered Arby's the other day and I could get a roast beef sandwich anytime, right? But you know why I go to Arby's? Because it's Arby's sauce. Like they have their name on the actual sauce. Wouldn't you just throw your sauce into that bag every time? Because I came to Arby's for a reason. Anyway, uh, I digress. I'm getting upset. It's about McDonald's, not Arby's. Anyway, he goes through the line and he gets up to the window. And in between the ordering and the window, he realizes that he forgot to order the sauce. And so he looks at the person. He's like, hey. And the person like hands in the bag. And he goes, hey, yeah, before you give me the bag, I, I forgot. Could you? put a couple sauces in there, sweet and sours. And the guy looked at him and said, sir, it's, it's in the bag. He goes, yeah, uh, but, I, but I didn't order them. So I don't think, you know, usually he goes, no, 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 it's, it's already in the bag. And so reluctantly, he opened up the bag, looked in there, three sweet and sour sauces already in there. Turns out he goes there so often which might be a problem in and of itself, that they realized who it was. And even though he didn't order it, they put it in the back. And I thought, oh, theological lesson here. Like, is it, isn't it great to know that we have a God that loves us so much that before you even ordered it, that he loved you enough that he's like, it's already in the bag. 
It's already in the bag. So before you came today, this is what's crazy. Let me blow your mind. I hope this will blow your mind. Before you came today, some of you, you don't even go to this church. You're just visiting. Like maybe you, someone invited you, right? Whatever. And like you think, oh, I'm just going to go to that church, you know, just go check it out. See what... No, no, no. Listen, my friend, you have entered into a full contact UFC fight when you walk into this church, all right? We are going to love you and put you in a sleeper hold until you say yes to Jesus. And so anyway... What I'm trying to say is, no, 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 you, you came and you might have just stumbled in on the wrong Sunday, but you're going to get a message today, okay? You're going to get a message today and it's going to, like, some, some, maybe we'll have people get saved today is what I'm trying to say. And so I just want you to know that God has a plan for your life. And even though, boy, there's been some twists and turns and it did not go the way in all probability you expected it to go. Some, some of you are uh, sitting with people that you didn't, you didn't see yourself sitting with. And um, through all that change that God, what if I told you God can make it work? Like somehow that he is capable of making it work. Even your bad mistakes, he has a way of making it work. And I hope today, today's illustration will, will get that off. And um, really, we're going to focus on one verse. The other day I preached two verses, really. And today we're going to preach one verse. We're going to have some setup. Don't worry. Um, you're get your money's worth. Um, but, but I want us to see the progression as we've studied Abraham. And for all my English majors, today is your Sunday. Now, I'm a math guy, but today, today we'll tackle grammar, okay? And I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud because first service, that didn't go well, okay? So we're just going to, I'm going to teach and you'll listen anyway. Anyway, you'll see how it goes. Um, in Genesis chapter 12, when we see that Abraham has this first conversation with God. We're going to see him speak in the future tense all of the promises that he's going to make. And I hope this is readily obvious to you as we read it. It says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. And all the peoples of earth will be, in time, blessed through you. So, so that was the future. The, the, the God of the Bible meets Abraham with a promise of something in his future. And we talked about the first week, just so everybody's clear, that salvation is for free. The blessing is conditional. That we have to, by obedience, walk underneath the umbrella of God's blessing. And so God is making some conditional promises with Abraham. If you follow me, I will do these things. Verse 13, they have a second conversation. He says, all the land, and we talked about this, Lot and him had a disagreement, and then God took him up on a hill and said, hey, I want you to look around, north, south, east, west. All the land that you see, I will, future, give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Now, we have a slight change. He says, go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Now, for those non-English majors, we just went from future to present. There we go. Everybody just say present. Yeah, that's the right answer. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So we just went to present. He said, right now, I, as you walk, I am giving it to you, which is incredible, right? Like you literally are walking out your faith that God has prepared things for you. And as you walk into them, he's already prepared it. That's why the Bible says the word is like a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, that God has already gone before us. And all we are doing is like the little child following behind his father in the snow. 
Dad's already walked in front of them, and you're just jumping from footprint to footprint, right? And that's the way that it works. And so we moved from the future, and we went down into the present. And so we see this power is in progression, and that God is is doing some things in this language. And now we're going to get to today's text. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, okay? 99. So we started the story. He was 75, Okay, so we are 24 years into a 25-year story, a 25-year-old promise. Okay, does everybody get that? We're all on the same page. 99, 99. Do we have anyone 99 in the room today? Raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, do we have anyone that feels 99 this morning by a show of hands? Yes, 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 I see He says, when he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will, future, make my covenant between me and you and will, future, greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down on the ground. Okay? Now, what does that represent? It represents humility, right? That whenever you get on the ground before God, that's, that's a place where you're reverence, you're in reverence, you're in awe, okay, that God is even talking to you. And I really want to say in a quick aside, and this is probably like sermon number two, um, that I hope that we never grow too comfortable to the point where taking it for granted being in God's house and singing those songs. Like just a moment ago, like, like, that you can be in the presence of God Almighty in one of his local New Testament churches, worshiping his name, like that's a privilege. That's something that you should be like, that should do something. Should do something to you. Do something to your emotions. Should do something to your spirituality. Because God is always preaching all these things to Abraham. And it's, it's kind of expansion, right? He's saying, I am going to expand you. And expansion should be the expectation for believers, right? He's like, I'm going to multiply you, Abraham. And as we follow after God, that should be our thought process, that God is expanding us, expanding our territory, expanding our mercy, expanding our patience, expanding our forgiveness. If you aren't expanding, then you are doing it wrong. And I would really encourage you to think about who's on the throne if you're contracting where you should be expanding. Because the opposites of love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control are like bitterness, envy, anger, lust, all those things. If they are growing, if those things are expanding and the good things are contracting, then I would suggest to you, you've got a heart issue, right? That you have to change your heart and be what God told Abraham to be that you should be faithful to him. And then you'll start to see those things expand. And so God works more in the can'ts than he does in the cans, okay? Like if you could do half the thing, you would do it, but you can't. You, you can't, if you've really been betrayed, I'm talking about a betrayal betrayal. I think there are some things that, boy, it's hard. Like, I don't know if you can. Without God, I don't know if you can forgive. And there are some losses that hurt so bad. I know people that have lost, you know, children. And I don't know how you recover from that. I don't, I think without God, 
it'd be impossible almost for me to come back from that, right? And so I hope that you'd realize this morning that Abraham has been in a can't situation since he met it for 24 years. He's been walking towards a promise, but living in can't. It says, I am God Almighty, walk before me, and I will make this covenant with you. Abram fell down on his face, and God said to him, verse 4, As for me, this is my covenant with you. This is my deal. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham. Now, we could, we could dice that up all day, but Abram means father, honored father. Abraham means father of many, father of many nations. And so not only is he going to expand his name, he's going to expand the promise as a result of expanding this name. As a matter of fact, he's, you could say he's giving him a name to live up to. And I would like to just take that moment and extrapolate that to us. If you name the name of Christ and you say that you've pledged allegiance to Jesus and ask him to save you and you're in a covenant relationship with God, that's a name to live up to. And the church said, amen, right? Are you living up to the name that God has given you? That Jesus is your banner. Anyway, just, that's another, that's three. Okay. If you're, when you tithe, you pay for each sermon. Okay. So just so you know, we got like four. So let that be your guide. And so he says, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Okay? Now for all of our grammarians in here, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? That's past. And we could even say it's past perfect, if we want to get technical. Um, so we have, let's go, we had future, right? Everybody ready? And then we said present, and now we got past. I have made. Now, if you don't understand, he hasn't made him yet. A father, he doesn't have a child yet. But he's saying, I have made. Now, I had a whole sermon outline based upon all chapter 17. But this is as far as we are going to get, okay? Just to let you know. And I really felt like this is one of those sermons where it could be me just having fun preaching a sermon that I enjoy. And I did not know if all the people would get on the bus and follow the train. Because from this moment on, we are going to take a deep breath, okay? And we're going to take a deep dive, all right? So first point I'm going to make out of this is eventually tomorrow becomes today when you're following after God. That if you, if you walk long enough, 99, 99. 99 years old, and he's out there wandering around. You know, in my mind, he's like a little cane. You know, he's like, oh, he's like I was a couple weeks ago. You know, like, oh, you know. And, and he's waited so long on this promise. And I want to give some people some hope this morning that patience does not mean perfection, okay? Patience does not mean perfection. Do you think that Abraham, from what we've read, and I've left out a lot because we don't have time for it all, but like, do you think, Abraham was perfect when he was waiting patiently. We wouldn't have had an Ishmael moment last week, right, if he was perfect. He wouldn't have went down to Egypt and said, oh, that's my sister. Anyway, that's weird, but anyway, you know, and he does it again. Like, I, anyway, I'm just saying, some of you, let me take the mantle of perfectionism off of your shoulders and say to you, God is not requiring you to be 
perfect. Even when you're being patient, you are going to make mistakes. And Lord knows, some of us in here, you got impatient, didn't you? You got impatient. And how'd that work out for you? Just like it worked out for Abraham. You messed it all up. And what do we do when we mess it all up? We run back to the throne of grace and we get back on the train of patiently waiting for the promises of God. So eventually, if you walk long enough, then tomorrow becomes today. All right, now the main point of the sermon. It says in verse 5, For I have made you a father of many nations. So I want to say to this, God made you before you made it, okay? God made you before you made it. The thing, whatever it is that you're walking in, God made that, all right? And then all you're doing is walking in the thing that he made. But he made it before you made it, right? Before you had all the stuff that you have, before you were blessed beyond what you deserve, that God made that possible before you even had it. And so here's where we're going to go. We're going to get on the train. All right, here. Woo! Oh, oh. Follow, follow me, okay? Whenever we think about God, the Bible says he is the alpha, which is the beginning, and he is the omega, which is the end. So with Abraham, he's talking about, I will, I will, I will. And then he moved into, I am, I am, I am. And now he crossed over to some weird, you know, like, we're talking about uh, matrix level, multiverse. He says, I have made, I have made. I've already, it's like it's, it's already done, Abraham. I have made. So I am a part of what you will be doing. I'm a part of what you are doing. And I've already done some things that you haven't even experienced yet, but it's as good as done. Wouldn't you like to have a God that just looks at you this morning and says, it's already in the bag. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see that setup? Whoa, boy, shoot the arrow. Anyway, I got excited about that. Oh, it's in the bag. Some of you are worrying right now about things that you can't control. Abraham had no control over his situation. And for 24 years, he was walking in anticipation, but he had not yet received the thing that God had promised. Oh, I'm telling you this morning. Keep walking. You better keep walking. In Romans chapter 3, verse 4, Paul says, Let God be true and every human being be a liar. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Do you know how many times Abraham probably had to explain this story? Have you ever thought about that? He's walking around, he's interacting with all these people, he's interacting with kings. And someone asked Abraham, like, hey, so where are you from? Like, that's that question you always ask, like, hey, where are you from? And he's like, oh, I'm from Ur of the Chaldees. It's like, oh, well, what brought you out here to um, nomad land, right? Like, what, what, what did that? Was there like a, was there a problem? Was there, you know, issue? No, no, no. Had it great. Had it all figured. That's where I'm from. That's where all my family was. Yeah, we were very successful. Our businesses were running great. Well, what, well, what, if it was so great, why would you leave it? It's like, oh, well, God. God showed up and he said that I got a plan for you and I got a promise for you. And if you'll follow me, then I'm going to do all these things. And the person's like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, so what happened? He's like, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Like, can you imagine having to explain that to someone? Like you said you followed after God. He was going to do all these things. So what's happened for 24 years? Nothing, nothing has happened. 
That'd be tough. I just wonder, whenever you're waiting, are you willing to say, let God be true and every man a liar? It doesn't matter what anyone else says. It only matters what God says about it. Some of you make this mistake. You listen to preachers because you want to know their opinion about things. That's wrong. That's wrong. You don't want to know my opinion. Trust me, my opinion, no different than your opinion. Neither of them matter in eternity. Do you know what matters? Do you know what I tell all of our young preachers as we're raising them up? I said, no matter what, when you get up there, don't preach your opinion. You preach the word. Because you know where the power is? The power is not in the preacher's opinion. The power is in the word of God. That is what we preach. That is what we stand on. And if you ever get up here and have someone, you know, just speak in platitudes and you go away like feeling good, like, oh, I felt great. You know, it's good to know that I'm happy and Jesus makes me happy. No, you, your life didn't change. The word of God is truth and it meets our lives. And it's like an anvil. And that has to wear our, our sin out. Like we have to grow inside of the grace of God as we put our lives under the crucible of truth. It refines out all of the impurities. And so as we're thinking about this, he says, you know, that I'm going to follow after God despite all of these things that are happening around me. And I just want you to think about for a moment. Has anyone, has anyone ever lied about you? Yeah, by show of hands, anybody ever lied about you? We think about lies that we have to fight through. We think about losses that we've experienced. Every one of us is going to go through interactions with people that are less than favorable. If I sat here and wanted to tell you all the lies that people have ever told about me, we could be here till next Sunday. But you can't let their lies hold you back. You can't let loss hold you back because there's a promise to be inherited. So here is Abraham faithfully marching for 24 years and has fought through all of these things. As I was contemplating that, he says that God had made him a father of many nations. And I also tell our young preachers, I said, now, don't ever do this. Don't do this. Sometimes preachers nerd out about things that do not matter. Have you guys ever heard a preacher do this? It's like they want you to know that they know Hebrew and Greek, okay, and all that stuff. And, and they might find some little point, and then they go to some subculture, and, and this is what the Hittites did. And, and, like, they get lost in the sauce. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the minutiae. And it's almost like they, that Bible a sermon becomes like a trivia. Like you get to go home and say, like, I learned about the Hittites today. Like, but did you have any life change? You see what I'm saying? Like, it's, you don't want to get lost in the minutiae so that you don't have to confront yourself with this truth. And so I tell them all the time, don't fixate on like these small little things. Like, like a tense change is not something to preach a sermon about unless, all right, unless. Unless the Bible itself says that this means something. It's not like God misspoke and he just got ahead of himself and like went from future to present to past. And so as I was studying this out, I had to abandon the whole rest of the sermon 
And I went to Romans chapter 4. I want us to read this together. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is New Testament. Okay? You can see that they're quoting directly this conversation that Abraham had with God. And the part that he quotes is not all the other parts, the I wills and I ams. He quotes the I have. Mm, it, oh, it's going to, oh, just wait for it. I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God. And God is saying that Abraham is the father of our faith because through him, Jesus is going to come. A whole bunch of technicalities there, but just understand, you're not saying he's God the father, just trying to explain it. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Abraham believed in God, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being the things that were not, okay? Things that do not exist, he calls those things into existence. Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. If you want a verse on your refrigerator, if you want a verse to hang on your front door or whatever, this is such a great one, against all hope. Like, if you've been walking for 24 years and you are 99, Sarah was 89. There's no logic level. There's no miracle level. There's nothing that could be reasonable that she could have hoped that this promise was going to come to pass. You're walking in hope against hope. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became what God had already said he well, what God had already said that he was. So he became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised, and the church said, Amen. Now I'm gonna dive into this. Woo, I'm gonna dive in. That God can speak things into existence. Are you understanding? Like, why is the God of the Bible different than every other God? Because sometimes I think we get into this polytheism where we think like, okay, well, I'm American, so I was born and like I have to believe in the God of the Bible because I was born and whatever. And like, well, they are over there, so they believe in their God. And so like, really, it's all a hodgepodge and we just call God by a different. No, that is not true. The truth is only the God of the Bible can speak something into existence that five minutes ago didn't exist. In the beginning, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing. And then he created something out of nothing. No other God even dares to make that claim. No, no. So now God is able to speak something into existence. Think about that. If you're Abraham and you're Sarah, you have this problem and you can't solve it. And it says that he was able to speak life into what? Death. Inside of her womb, what was she known for? Barren, unable to produce life. God did not fix what was inside of her. He made something new inside of her. And he said, before I did it, it's like it's already done. Are you, yeah, huh? Now you say, Tim, why is this personal? Why is this personal? I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. Long time ago, we're 20 years into this little journey. It's about Abraham, but it's about our story. 20 years ago, we started this little endeavor, Genesis Metro. And um, 
El Dorado was two lanes. Tollway didn't exist. And all there was was corn. Was anybody here long enough to remember the corn? Okay, okay. I'm talking Iowa corn. I'm talking like, are we in Texas or are we in Iowa? It's corn. And we had barely began to meet probably 75 people in an elementary school. Nomads, no money. <laughs> and I had a little old lady that I'd never met named Janelle Boyce call me one day. And she said, I had a vision from God. And I would love to tell you that when someone says that to me, that as your pastor, that like I'm like popcorn ready to go. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think crazy, okay? Like straight up, if you walk down here after service, it was like, you know, today while you were preaching, I had a vision from God. My first thought, I would love to say, I, I, I think, believe, I would be like, your security would be close is what I'm trying to say, okay? I'm talking on the phone with a lady I've never met, and she said, I was driving down El Dorado, cornfield, nothing here, no target. Some of you Johnny come lately, got everything around here, you know, Starbucks on every corner, whatever. No, nothing. You want to go to town? Drove 20 minutes down to Stonebriar. Target, 20 minutes, whatever. Anyway, I'm just trying to say. She said, I had a vision from God. Genesis Metro was going to be located on El Dorado. And I know the guy that owns the land, and I'm going to tell him. Now, at this juncture, I will say that I was like, you tell him. You go tell him. I am for that. This piece of property was not available, and the person that owned it did not want to give it, did not want to sell it. It was already spoken for. And so how do you hope for something when there's no logical reason to hope for it? How would you believe if every answer was no? But what if I told you that you have to walk long enough in order for some promises to come to pass? Now, she spoke that to me as if she had seen it, as if it was done. In my mind, that was crazy. In my mind, that was like, I hope that could happen. I sure hope that would. And maybe God will someday. But isn't it crazy that 20 years later that I can say she saw what God was going to do and she related to me as what God would do, but now I can say that it is done, that we're standing in the promise that was given 20 years ago to someone to give to me? And I think sometimes we want an Abrahamic promise without an Abrahamic walk. I think, I think we want the things of God whenever someone prays, like, yes, give it to me, Lord. Promise, expand me. <laughs> but I wonder if you're willing to walk far enough. I wonder if you're willing to hope hard enough against all that's logical around you that God could do it. Just like he said he would. I can tell you that God brings his promises to pass if you'll walk far enough. You won't have to be perfect. 
You'll make some mistakes along the way. You'll try to do it your own way some of the time. But every time you get back on course, I think you'll learn that Abraham was right. That you can believe God. That you can hope against hope. And you can believe that God has the power to do what he promised. It's in the bag. Abraham, I have made. Before you ever made it, I've already done. I've, it's already done. Just walk. Walk long enough to get there. Walk long enough. You'll get to a great marriage. I promise. Walk long enough. If you both agree on Jesus, just walk long enough. You want your children to walk long enough. And they'll put away foolish things. And they'll pick up God things. Because the things of God are better than the foolishness of this world. But you've got to walk long enough. Now this ability to transform things becomes very important to you. And you need to know that. Whenever we go to 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So God is able to, again, speak things into existence that were not. Because Jesus did not sin. Jesus never sinned one time in his life. He said, but I made him to be sin for us, for everyone sitting in this room. If you want to know how theology works, if you want to know the equation, how do you balance it with sin versus righteousness? Because the Bible says we're on the side of sin. We're not on the side of righteous. So how are you going to balance the equation through good works? That Romans 4 that we just read about Abraham, that's all that that is, is that the Abrahamic covenant was made as a result of the belief that already existed. So it wasn't the covenant that saved him, it was the belief in the God of the covenant that saved him before he ever did one good thing, one righteous thing, one promise that had ever come to pass. It was in the belief that God could. So he made him sin. Jesus hanging there on a the cross, he made him to be sin for us. Oddly, ironically, Jesus was our substitute. What we deserve, Jesus took. And when Abraham was making his mistakes, he was saying, God, I think you need a substitute. Ishmael was Abraham's substitute. God does not need a substitute. God has a perfect plan, a perfect plan for your life. And no matter how much you try to mess it up, what if I told you if you would just believe today that God does not require perfection, he requires patience, and that the things that you already have available to you is already in the bag, that Jesus became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, that salvation was purchased in the form of this transformation of God doing what we could not do for ourselves. He made him into something that he wasn't so that he could make us into something that we could never be. Is that a God that's worthy of your worship this morning? I'm going to give you a chance in just a second. But someone in here probably needed to hear, 
hey, if you're on the right track, if you're on the track that God put you on, it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. It doesn't. It's already decided. It's already done. Can you stand in the confidence to know if I keep walking, I'll get there. I promise you, that'll change you. It'll change every struggle you ever go through. Am I on the right path? Okay, then it's already done. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus for every couple sitting in this room today that they would have hope. I'm reminded of the man who prayed for his dying child. Jesus said, do you believe I can do this? He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Oh my gosh. Let this be an encouragement to you today. We've waited 20 years. But by faith, God has brought to pass exactly what he said he would do. And you have got to be a part of that process. Let us continue to walk in his word because he will do greater things still. But we've got to remain faithful. If we want an Abrahamic promise, we've got to have an Abrahamic walk. This morning, can he trust you? Can he trust you to just walk? Can he trust you not to do it, but to believe that he can? Can he trust you this morning? And if you quit at Ishmael, if you quit at Egypt, and if you left those promises on the table, gosh, I'd hate that for you. My heart would break. This morning, we're trying to figure out all these relationships, and I'm telling you, it's complicated, but it's simple. You want to know how to have a great marriage? You take the person's hand sitting beside you, and you say, I believe. No matter what we're going through right now, I believe in a God that can. And if you both believe that, I, there's hell could not stop that power. If you're someone sitting in here today and you don't have that family and you're so lonely and you're so looking and it doesn't seem like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, maybe you lift your eyes to the heaven and you say, God, I believe. In hope, God, I'm hoping against hope that you've promised that you're a loving God. You've promised that you are quick to have mercy, that you forgive sin and you cast it as far as the east is from the west, that you loved us not when we were beautiful, but in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God, you loved us at our lowest and therefore I will trust that you have a plan for my life. No matter what someone says, let them be a liar and let God be true in your life today. Now I guarantee you, if you're willing to accept that, your worship at the end will be different than your worship at the beginning. Would you stand and join us?